What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Spectora Spotlight. Today, I have George Scott from Scott Home Inspection. They are based out of Northern Colorado. Big multi-inspector company, uh, 17 employees, um, and they've recently started working with us as of a couple uh, couple months ago. And I would have him on even if he wasn't a Spectora user because he is just a very sharp, forward-thinking, tech-savvy multi-inspector firm. And to top it off, he's so humble and willing to um, share some insights as to how he got where he is, um, how he handles different things like technology, communication, hiring, um, his company culture. And he gives three keys to being successful no matter what stage your company is in. Uh, But just an enjoyable guy. He's come down to our offices um, and brought his son and they were just a joy um, to meet and talk with. And you can just tell they're great people and they put quality into everything they do, um, whether that's their in-person relationships, their business relationships, um, just everything. And so just an all around um, wonderful company and people to um, to hear from. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Um, without further ado, George Scott. George, how you doing? Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Appreciate you having me and I'm looking forward to talking some. Yeah, how's uh how's the holidays been so far uh for you and and for the company? It's been great. We're uh you know, in past years it would well, precedent was that you expected was come Thanksgiving from then on it would you know, you'd start having that slowdown and mm-hmm. kind of ease into Christmas, but we in the past couple of years it's just been nuts right <laughs> the holidays. It seems like it's only been this week that we actually have started to catch our breath and see some blank spots on the calendar. Yeah. Not in Colorado, no slow season. And I know, you know, I talked to inspectors and in pockets across the country and it's, if we keep waiting for a slowdown and, you know, with rates and seeing where the market's going, but it just doesn't sound like it's happening yet in most places. I don't know what it is, but you know, you're, you're thankful for being busy, of course, when you have a crew, but, but at the same time, everybody appreciates uh, a break and, and they kind of expect it this time of year. So when it finally comes and you get a couple of spots off here and there and everybody's catching up and probably Christmas shopping or whatever to wrap up the year. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, we were talking a little off the air. You guys did a little holiday party, right? Yeah, we just did. We uh, we all go to a big local restaurant and bring the spouses, and we do a summer picnic, and no, and all the kids and everybody's allowed at the summer picnic, and then holiday party we do an adults only get together and and drink and celebrate. We kind of go over our numbers and and just get just have a good time as a team together, and we've all gotten to know one another's families and over the years and so it's like a chance for everybody to catch up and see how how one another's doing i love that and for the other i guess multis or anyone that works with even one other person do you find that like chemistry wise and just morale wise that that is a good thing just i mean i figure it can't be a bad thing right people getting to know each other outside of work yeah i mean this business is so unusual in that everybody works from their vehicle basically or from a home office 
And so, you know, there's lots of tools and stuff you have these days to talk to one another technology wise, but we don't get to see each other that often. And when we do, it's, it's a really, you know, unlike some offices where you probably can't wait to get away from it. You know, we, we really love it when we have a chance to all get together and talk and celebrate and, especially around the end of the year, it's a chance to kind of, you know, high five each other. If, if, if the year supported that and just kind of celebrate where we are and, and we try to make it fun and have a good time at the party. And so it, it's really great. It's we come, everybody comes out of it feeling pretty energized and pumped up and feeling good about what we're doing. I like it. And I like that. It's nice in a multi-inspector environment because, yeah, you can bring people together. I do I do empathize with the plight of the solo inspector that it probably does feel isolated. It probably does feel at times like you need to connect and talk shop with people in the industry. And so that's where we're always encouraging them to find those networking groups and kind of find those little masterminds that you can get together with guys and, and have that camaraderie. Yeah, and there's a lot of ways to do that digitally these days, of course, but it's still... You know, if you're a one-man guy, it's, I remember when I started, it was always nice to go to the local ASHI chapter meetings and and just talk to guys. And, and you had this feeling, okay, I'm not actually alone in this industry. And uh, it was always good to meet some guys and talk over and swap some more stories and things and, and do that in person. And it was always better than I always thought once in a while was better than some of the chat groups and stuff, which are fine on their own as well. But it's always nice to get together and drink a beer and shoot the breeze for a while. Yeah. It just humanizes everything. Um, you know, when your head's down day to day, it's like, gosh, the months go by, the years go by. <clears throat> so that's nice to have. Um, well, let's, let's start at the top here and just give the listeners a little bit about your backstory. I'll let you kind of just tell them who you are, kind of where your business is located and, uh, yeah, how long you've been around? Sounds good. Well, my name is George Scott. Uh, my wife Ann and I are co-owners in a Colorado-based home inspection business, Scott Home Inspection. We started the business uh, in January of 2006, so we're coming up on 13 years doing this thing. Um, start. Congrats. Out- Hey, thanks. Yeah, it feels pretty good to say that and uh, and look back on on that much time. It seems like it's flown by in one hand, but I've <laughs> been doing it forever, also. So it, it's it's nice to say that. And but yeah, we we're a multi inspector team. We've grown over the years. We offer a lot of different diverse services that are all inspection based, but maybe a little outside the mold of your typical home inspection group. Um, and we operate just in Colorado, up and down the what's called the Front Range here, which is from Denver, Boulder, Fort Collins, down all the way down to Colorado Springs. So we kind of stretch ourselves out in this urban corridor up against the foothills of the mountains. Not a bad place to expand uh, multiple cities in like the top 10, you know, most, you know, fastest growing cities, best places to live. Um, so definitely positioned. Well, how many employees do you guys have currently? 
the team totaled 17 people total. That is amazing. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun, I, but it's nuts sometimes when you step back and look at the, what you're doing. It's, I still don't believe it every day, but we're just holding on for the ride. Yeah, it's something special indeed, um, you know, and just you guys are here at the office and talking to, to you and your son, you just get a sense for the, like the family environment that you guys have created. Um, was that kind of going back? Let's, let's rewind. And was that always in the plans to create that when you started Scott home inspection? What was the, what were those early days like? No way. <laughs> was <it in> <laughs> uh, you know, I, um, I worked in a more corporate environment for, big company Siemens this big giant German conglomerate and they have I think they have half a million employees worldwide and and I got to where I just hated it I hated the bureaucracy and the big company it was a good company if anybody out there works for Siemens don't get me wrong it was good company to work for and you know good benefits and everything but I just I just felt constrained in this corporate environment that just didn't allow a lot of creativity or freedom. And I just was yearning to get back to doing something entrepreneurial. And I just couldn't quite figure out what it was. But when I did finally settle on it, which we can talk about how I got there. But when I did finally settle on it, I just was determined. There's, I'm not managing anybody anymore i'm not having employees i'm, I'm you know i'm just going to be me <laughs> none of that ever from here through retirement i'm i'm not doing that <laughs> <laughs> so uh so yeah that was uh that was our goal if, if i could have written that chiseled it in stone uh and handed it to my wife Anne, she probably would have said okay i i'm with you i got it <laughs> Yeah. Cause I'm guessing in that first year or two, there was probably a point where you were like, okay, I either have to hire help or I got to stick to what I said and not go back to managing someone or growing a company. What, what was that decision point or what do you remember that time when you were like, okay, I'm changing my course here. I, I remember the exact day that we decided to hire a person and it really wasn't driven by me, although it should have. It was more driven by Anne. We we were doing fine. I think we were more than a year into it. I think we were two or three years into things. And it, actually, I do kind of remember. It was kind of during the recession time. Mm -hmm. And we had made a decision that the way to survive the recession times was to try to grow during that time. And we just kind of did a lot of marketing and a lot of promotions during that time. And we thought if the market shrinks, then we are going to try to take as much of it as we can to survive. And if guys can't hack it and they drop out, then we were going to try to pick up that business and just scrape and do everything we could. And that strategy worked well. My wife fans a sales and marketing guru, and so she's 
she was really big on a lot of marketing and direct marketing to realtors and just really trying to build our brand and build loyalty. So, um, so the story of how we picked our first guy beyond the two of us, well, to back up, I guess, Anne joined us when she, she also worked for Siemens and mm-hmm. also was getting a little, uh, tired of that world. And when I was growing and struggling with trying to answer phone calls between jobs and call people back and that whole thing that all single inspectors struggle with, yep. I, I just, she said, well, I could come join and she could do the scheduling, but also the marketing sales aspects. And, and at least we'd kind of be a one, two team. And, and we did that. And, and that seemed like, okay, that's it. Just the two of us. Well, you know, I'm out in the field. She's here in the office. We were one, two punch and, and that's how, that's how it'll be from here on out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, then we, we were just busy, you know, it just, you try to build a reputation and do good work for folks. And when we get called stacked up and your schedule's full and, and most guys, you're in the summer months, you're peaking and you're, you're booking out a week or 10 days or so. And, but then, you know, you get any more than that and you start losing people. They, they, an agent refers and you just don't have an opening in your schedule. And, and then you start to risk losing that agent if there's somebody else that can take care of them quicker or so that's always that balance. So you're working six days a week and, doing as much as you can and and we were building a deck on our house and there was some contractors here friends of friends that were working on the deck and and the one gentleman his son was here uh working luke who works for us now and we just started chatting and and uh he said yeah i've been interested in the home inspection thing and i kind of taken some classes and done a couple inspections on the side for friends and family. And he sounded, you know, construction background and knowledge. He was very personable and easy to talk to. And I think within like half an hour in, I just said, all right, let's do it. Let's hire him. <laughs> <laughs> let's get him some jobs. We got so much work going on. We could get him a couple of jobs right out of the shoot. And, we didn't have a plan of training or anything. It's <laughs> like just winging it. So in that moment, I'm really curious because I know I've heard that exact, uh, you know, promise from a lot of inspectors. I said, Hey, I'm comfortable. I like where I'm at. Don't have any aspirations to grow. What, <clears throat> what clicked in your head? Was it just the kind of person he was? And you're like, gosh, this is a good person and you don't let go of good people or, was it something else in your head that was shifted that said, all right, we're going to grow? I think it wasn't that clear. It wasn't the latter. I think it was more, I mean, Ann and I both have always had this mentality of really deep seated need to take care of people and to help people. And whether that's family or, or your kids or whatever it is, we've always both felt this strong passion to just help people. And this business always fit that 
philosophy with helping buyers and uh, and really helping them understand the condition of homes. But I think what really happened was we just had worked to build up this base of referrals and which is normal. You do that no matter what business you're in, but during that recession period, you just felt this extreme uh, need to just really work on that marketing piece and that customer relations and the loyalty aspect to just help you through this stretch. And when it seemed like we were flipping it in the other way where we were so busy that we weren't able to help people. I think that's what drove it more than anything. It's just this feeling like we've got these people, we've done this work to re recruit them, to refer to us, and now we're not able to take care of them. And I think it just was that, that's more of what drove it than any conscious sit down and run numbers and look at your, you know, there wasn't that methodical, business decision it was more of a gut feel decision which i just absolutely love because it's values based and i not all inspectors have that deep-seated need to help people and i think that's almost almost essential to grow a business the way you have from my view from my vantage point um because you can't fake that day in and day out. You could fake it for a while, I'm sure. Um, and you could fake it with certain agents and customers, but I just love that it was driven by, you know what, in order to keep up this level of service and loyalty, we need more people. <laughs> and I'm guessing each, the next hire was similar. Yeah. I, I, it was the same sort of thing. We, you know, Luke came on and he, it was great because he had such good background in homes and and remodeling and construction. So you didn't have to teach him that. And he was very technically savvy. So software and that sort of thing was a natural for him. He was very personable. So he had all the pieces. And so it, he just kind of hit the ground running and, and we figured out as we went uh, everything from payroll to on down the list and uh, and then once you're started and then you're now your two guys are busy and then it just was a little bit easier on the next person and and you just kind of keep keep building and and we just went off gut feel like when do we think we're ready for the next guy and we would look at schedules and and how far out are we are we more than a week out? We never like to be more than three, four, five days out and not have an opening for somebody. And you just went off a gut feel and and when you thought you could bring on another person and give them training time, keep them busy. And I imagine that gut feel comes partially from, you know, like your background in project management or Anne's background in sales and marketing, just having those good business instincts. Um, would you agree? Or do you think it was something you had to kind of hone differently for the home inspection world? No, I think it's background. I mean, I was always pretty organized throughout my life. My, I'm imagining my daughter laughing out loud right now when she <laughs> say that. <laughs> she's, 
always give me a hard time about lists that I would have. And, you know, I remember back way back in, in the day when I was a young man, I went, I was in the Navy for years and then uh, got out and I was stationed out in San Diego at the time. And I got out and stayed there with a young family and kids and, and I was really aggressive and wanted to grow professionally and into management roles. And I remember uh, this was, you know, obviously way before cell phones and and things. And I remember the, you remember Stephen Covey, the Seven Habits of Highly yeah. Effective People. Yeah. Oh yeah. You've read that. I hope you have to if you if you haven't. Yes. That's mandatory. Uh, but I remember reading that and remember having, do you remember they were so good at merchandising those guys and they had those organizers and they were books that were like, uh, I don't know, eight, five by eight or six by nine size and leather bound with a little thing that folded up over the top of the cover <laughs> and and inside there was like a little mini binder and you would have all these sections in the four quadrant organizing uh, and and you'd have all your notes in there about what you needed to do for, for business and what were your top goals. And I just remember having that organizer and walking around with it under my arm where I worked and and just feeling like Mr. Big Shit, you know, like <laughs> organized. Yep, yep. It's probably pretty shallow, but uh, hey. you know, if, if you ask me too many questions in depth at that time, I may not have known. But I, but I had it all organized. <laughs> I love it. So it goes way back, and for me, and and just so it just that's helpful when you run a business, obviously, to kind of keep yourself on top of things and look out into the future and plan and have goals and tasks and everything around it. Oh gosh. I, especially, yeah. As you get into the two, three, four five plus, um, employees and scheduling and just the logistics of our industry, um, super important. Um, in the early days though, I have one more question about this cause I'm very, I'm very curious as to, kind of building that initial loyal base of agents uh, because obviously to hire someone you had to have more work than you could do. And most guys want to have that problem, but it's in the details. And some of it I believe is in root is ingrained in people's personalities. Some of it's process, um, some of it's persistence with talking to agents, but yeah. Can you, can you give us any insight into kind of uh that first year or two pounding the pavement as many inspectors say it, um, what that looked like. I think that, I think back then there were three basic things that I tried to do as, as an individual and that I think we do today multiplied by 17. And it's kind of a formula, if you will, but it's not rocket science, so don't sit up on the edge of your seat waiting for it. <laughs> I, 
I, I really think there are three basic things that you had to do to be really successful in this industry. And, and in this order, I think the first thing you have to do was to have a really even keeled, easygoing personality to get along well with realtors and with buyers. It's such a stressful transaction, the home purchase. And buyers are on edge sometimes, not always, but sometimes. Real estate agents, you know, they're, they're uh, should be on edge. I mean, I get that the model is such that you don't get paid till this thing is done and you've got a lot invested in these deals. And, and they, there is a lot of stress at the time of the inspection appraisal and you finally got a contract and you're just trying to push through to the finish line. And I think personality more than anything is the number one thing you can bring and working on that. If you're, if you don't have that and, and it's something you need to work on, you just gotta, you just gotta fine tune it with your, process and your routine and your driveway speech and everything else that you do in your whole process and we try to so I think that was number one so not to get off track so that was the first thing. the second thing is I think technology is so important no matter whether it was 13 years ago or today you've got to have the best ability to, to survive in the environment that you're in technologically. Real estate agents are on their cell phones and texting and social media and everything else and clients are, and I don't care if it was 13 years ago, we were doing everything we could to be cutting edge and advanced and to have the latest and greatest and to present reports and everything in the best way that we possibly could for the time. And that okay. gets noticed by a lot of people. You're not bringing in the three ring binder with your handwriting that you can't read. But that's what most guys were doing back 13 years ago. It was a lot of binders and hand. <laughs> right. Right. Makes sense. And so, and then the third thing is just good knowledge of, of homes and knowing what's important and to call out and what's not and putting things in the proper context. And, and I would honestly say that those three foundational things are what got us so much loyalty, not taking donuts to real term meetings and, <laughs> and all that, even though you did all of that kind of stuff in the right. background. But it was those three foundational items that I think you, we did from day one and we try to replicate to today. I, I love how you broke that down. And I think it's just so important. And I'm going to underscore this again of the foundational items, because I will sometimes hear inspectors talk about bringing the donuts as if it were a foundational item. And so I think by shifting that focus to these really, really important things that have multiple facets to them, it causes you to pay more attention to, like you said, 
the words you're using when you're in the driveway, how you're reacting, your routine, uh, how to put things in the proper context. So I, I love the attention you brought to these. I think that's, that's huge. Tons of value for, I think, any inspectors out there that um, want to hear kind of how, how the big boys got to where they are. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think if you're a young inspector or not young age wise, but in the industry and you're starting out, I, I think those routines and those, that process and, and if, if you're not a strong people person then work on it and just polish it, even if it feels a little fake to you at sometimes just work on that. Cause that's so important to the foundation of caring for people and helping them and giving them a sense that you're trustworthy and, and can be relied upon. And I, I'm a believer that it is something that can be worked on. Some people say, Oh, it's just not my personality. It's not who I am. I believe every, like, you know, I'm big into the growth mindset stuff and thinking of like, Hey, repetition of anything almost and pretty much anything. And you can get better at it for who you are. Like we're not asking everyone to be extroverts, right. And be Mr. Uh, personable. But I think for each person, they have this range in which I believe they could reach the top end of being personable for that range. I agree with you. I, I think everybody struggles a bit and, and, I I think you can work on it and you can develop habits. And I we tell our guys start with that driveway speech. That sets the tone for the inspection. If you can, you know, if your client's attending, not everybody attends, but even if they're coming for the summer, you still have an opportunity to set this tone. And we talk about the driveway speech. You even if you get there early and you're working on something, you see your clients come up, then you go out and you greet them and you shake hands and you Tell, you know, say something nice about the home. Wow, this is a nice place. I love this neighborhood, even if you've never been there before. And you, you know, you just kind of try to set this really positive tone. And then, then you take charge and you say, "All right, here's what we're going to do today. I'm here to to do this inspection. I'm going to walk through these items. I'm going to go through a routine. I'm going to look at this and that and the other. I'm going to alert you to anything I see that's a significant issue. I'm going to document things. You're going to get a report later today. Yada, yada. You just go down through the list. And in 30, 45 seconds, you set this tone that you are a man in charge. You've done this a thousand times. You've got a routine. They, it builds this instant trust and people then say, all right, let's do this. And sometimes <laughs> then they're on your hip. Sometimes they go off on their own. And, but you set a tone. And if you do that over and over and over, you, you get to where I mean, my son, Chris, works with us. And he used to work with me in the summers. And he, he got to, sick of hearing my driveway speech, I'm sure. <laughs> and, <laughs> But I tell you, I can guarantee you if I was a fly on the wall in one of his inspections, I'll bet you $100 I would hear his driveway speech and, and it would be pretty similar to mine. And, and, and I hope the other guys have their version of it as well. But, but it, that gets back to your point about can you learn this stuff? And I think you can. Repetition forms habit. And 
whether it's your routine and how you inspect or that driveway speech or your process, all of that develops into habit and then you get more and more comfortable and you get in the zone and then you get in a flow. And people talk about flow a lot. And I, I love that word. And I think you get in that flow and the rhythm and, and then you start mastering what you're doing. And as time goes on, now you're mastering it and you're growing and you're learning. And that's, that's the fun part, in my opinion. I love it. And it builds confidence. I think just even if you don't feel like you fully embody that confidence to take the charge, I think take lead. I think anyone can start doing that. And I bet you the body language and the language, you know, everything else will follow. So great advice. Well, it's, I think it works. So clearly, I have a question. What would you do differently if you were starting a company today? If anything, I would say honestly, nothing different. I love that. I think think a a company that you start, that's, that's a personal thing like this with a smaller group or a family or even by yourself, it's got to, evolved unless you've done it you know it's not if you're some venture capitalist and you that's all you do is start up companies well okay maybe you've got a formula and you can fine-tune the formula but something organic like this i think you just you you have to grow and evolve and and keep trying different things and i looking back i don't I mean, at the time, I we wrote a business plan, and it wasn't like we were seeking financing, but I think it was just to, for our own sanity to to make sure we were doing our due diligence and planning and making sure we weren't missing anything. And probably goes back to my organizer days, but I, you know, wrote up a business plan, and and it wasn't complex. I think we stumbled on it recently in some box we were cleaning out and kind of laugh a little bit about some of it but (laughs) but you had a plan and you try it and you just keep fine-tuning as you go and i think having a plan um you know i looked at your guys site and you kind of have a mission and values i think these things just bring intentionality and something to refer back to um with all your actions, it's like, okay, do it. Is everything I'm doing every day working towards this goal or this plan or this strategy? Um, you know, and I, I've kind of gained a new respect myself even for kind of the corporate stuff, if you will, that, you know, in my previous life was in as well. Um, but I've kind of rediscovered kind of the point of it and realized when you're on the other end of it as a business owner, you're like, Oh, that's why they did that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I was into a lot of the business seminars and stuff, and there were times when it felt a little shallow and and a little canned. And but then when you're living it, yeah, I agree with you. You kind of start to realize. I could tell you one moment that hit me uh, at some point during the business. I don't know, but I do you ever? You probably you and everybody watches TED talks once in a while or listens to them. Oh yeah. Do you remember uh, Simon? Uh, uh, Simon, Sin- I can't pronounce the last name, Sinek or something like that. And he did that one that starts with why. Yeah. Yes. I do remember that one. That one, I remember that being a very moving one that I saw. 
Yeah, I love that TED talk. He was so, he's a good speaker. I tried to read the book and it was a little drier, but that TED talk, I've come back to that a few times. He really challenges people to say, why are you doing this? And it forced us to really sit down at some point several years in and, and literally we said, well, let's write a mission statement. And I hated that stuff. Like I was so opposed to all that because I just felt coming from a large corporate environment, it, it felt shallow to me. It felt like big companies had these mission statements, but the corporate culture didn't feel like it was actually fulfilling the mission statement. Mm-hmm. And so I was disillusioned with the process. But I, you know, we said, all right, well, let's do it. Let's sit down and, and, and my wife Anne's an English major. And, and so she's always a wordsmith and, uh, and you know, she, which is great when you need somebody to edit a blog post or something. Yeah. That's a nice <laughs> one to have on the team. Jeez. Yeah. We have a built-in editor, uh, <laughs> on staff editor. Um, but you know, we really sat down, I think it was over a holiday period too. And we kind of worked on our mission statement and what is the core values of what we want to do and what, what's our why, why are we doing this? And we defined that we wrote it out in a pretty simple mission statement and I could read it to you if you'd like me to. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, you know, our mission statement says, uh, Scott home inspection provides integrity based home inspections and energy assessment services to help Colorado families live in safe, healthy, and comfortable homes. Love it. Simple. And you know, that living, helping, helping Colorado families, that was our big thing. That was the heart of what we, that was our why. And, and, and how was providing these services. And we really have tried to look at everything we do every year we come up with goals and we say do those goals represent achieving our mission okay yes now what are the actions behind those goals that we need to do what are the fun stuff we want to try to do what new services do we want to add what improvements in in software or product or what hiring do we think we'll need and everything we do has to trace back to that mission and if it doesn't then we're off track tell me a little about how that has integrated with the real estate agent relationships because uh obviously you know one of the main things in our industry um a main point of contention is agents have one um incentive and agenda and the home buyers have another and inspectors are kind of in the middle and so has that bled into kind of the agent relationships to where they see that and they're like, okay, do what you do. We trust you. Yeah, I think so. I think when you talk about helping people, I think fundamentally that's the real estate agent's goal as well. I mean, obviously they make their living off of helping you find the house of your dreams, but and, and it's stressful and everything, just like a lot of jobs are. But, but I think ultimately the missions, and they all align with one another. The buyer wants 
to get into this home that they they're looking for a home the real estate agent wants to help them get this done and the inspector you, you can't look at it like you're a roadblock you're not there to kill the deal um, you know maybe guys get their jollies out of that and if they do they're probably in the wrong field but th we're just there as a part of the process to help people understand the condition and that's a good thing you want to go into it as a buyer with eyes wide open and yeah are there going to be things that come up that are insurmountable in your mind and stuff you can't get beyond and you decide to backtrack and go for a different home maybe and the good agents understand that that's part of the game they they are not specialists in homes either and so some of the things we uncover are things that they they weren't able to see it's not like they walked past them during the showing so i don't see it as adversarial or or combative i we try to just see it as we're all just pieces of the puzzle and helping people get into these homes and so we don't take a combative stance whatsoever and realtors see that and they appreciate it and they know we're, we're not we're sort of a no BS shop and we're just call it like it is and we don't take joy in it. We just tell you the good and the bad. And it's like you mentioned earlier, uh, all about the communication and delivery uh, because some inspectors seem to think you can't grow and thrive with that approach. Um, but you can clearly as you've shown. And I think what it does is it attracts like-minded agents that, truly want their buyers and sellers to be happy and to come away from the transaction feeling good because as an ex agent, that means they are more likely to refer you to their friends if they come away feeling completely happy as opposed to um, something comes up down the road or they feel like they were misled. And so um, I hope that breed of agent is kind of fading away anyhow. Um, and there is this new customer service kind of uh, era ushering in like a return to true service. Yeah, I, I, I think there is. I think we've seen as these teams have developed a lot in agencies and um, even, even some of the low fee brokerage services that are trying to put together packages. And I mean, all these things are, really designed to just be a bit more attractive to buyers as the group or the person that you want to use when helping you with your transaction. And I, there's still a lot of individual agents out there pounding the street, just like there are a lot of individual home inspectors. And, but I think you know, people that have been in it for a long time that are successful and that work on that, winning formula, I think they all come to the realization that the only way to do that is by taking good care of people. All right. That was George Scott episode one. We broke this one up into two episodes because we went for well over 90 minutes and probably could have went another 90 minutes. Um, but be sure to check out episode two next week. Um, we'll get into what it's like and advice for working with family or hiring family members. He gives us some book recommendations. We talk about some multi-inspector specific advice. Um, and we talk about technology a lot, about how they leverage technology as a big team 
and how it helps them be more efficient and communicate. Um, and then we talk about a couple tips with agents um, when they use you for the first time, how George and his company is looking at the next recession and how to prepare for that with services. Um, and then we talk a little bit about the future and a few other uh, fun things with conferences and whatnot. So make sure to check out episode two next week with George Scott and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.